You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. Hey, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast and give it a thumbs up if it's deserving. It helps me out a lot. And a quick shout out to Simmons Electric. Since 2004, they have been doing residential and commercial wiring, whole house generator installations, and so much more. Their slogan is, small business, big results. And Simmons Electric is a huge supporter of Iowa Bike Trails and Lamba, a local mountain bike nonprofit. Thanks, Mike and everyone at Simmons Electric for supporting this podcast and for supporting bikes. AKA Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Rob and Todd are on the show today to talk about their Great Divide adventure through Montana. In early June, these guys loaded up their custom salsa bikepacking bicycles and headed north to ride a portion of the Great Divide mountain bike route. They rode 10 days of forest roads, single track, and other varieties of terrain, which provided them with over 40,000 feet of climb. They were able to ride with some of the racers doing the Tour Divide, which is a race from the border of Canada to the border of Mexico. Now, I would consider both Rob and Todd elite athletes who train and race bikes year-round, but they did make it clear if people train properly, have the right equipment, the right attitude, and enough time... Almost anyone could tackle this route. And on a side note, I want to apologize for all the background noise on this episode. A few minutes into our interview, the outdoor space we were using turned on their music and traffic picked up. Anyway, here's my interview with Rob and Todd. All right, well, on the show today, we have Rob and Todd, and you guys are on to talk about Rob and Todd's Great Divide Adventure. Hey, guys. Hey, Kathy, how are you? Good. Morning, Kathy. Yeah. So here we are sitting at one of our favorite um, watering holes in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where I'll get to be together, which is kind of fun after almost, what, a year and a half of not feeling comfortable sitting here interviewing people live. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys coming out at the crack of dawn to talk. And by crack of dawn, I mean 1030. But anyway, we're here before the watering hole even opens. And we are here, like I mentioned, to talk about the Great Divide. So are you guys ready? Ready. Okay. So it's pretty obvious, listeners, that these two have experienced the Great Divide. But first off, for people who don't know, will you explain what is Great Divide mountain bike route? Sure. Adventure Cycling um, uh, set out, I think, you know, 10 or so years ago to to create a route that um, generally followed the Great Divide uh, through the Rockies. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they put that route together. And so that's the Great Divide mountain bike route uh, through adventure cycling. And then um, kind of on top of that is the Tour Divide, which is the actual race. And it's not like a super official race. You just, uh, you know, put your name on a spreadsheet and off you go. And so um, the two kind of go together. And... um, uh, we weren't actually racing. In fact, most of the people we ran into were touring, which mm-hmm. means, you know, you don't have to follow 100% of the rules. And, uh, you know, like we did, we just did a portion of the of the route. But uh, that's kind of how the two fit together. And the, the official route, um, it didn't take place officially this year, but typically it starts in Canada right. and ends at the Mexico border. Is that true? Right. Yeah. Banff. And- uh, to uh, Antelope Falls, uh, Mexico, and uh, New Mexico, excuse me, which is right on the border. And um, because the border's closed for non-essential travel this year, it started at the Canadian border and, and went south. Although the other thing I guess to mention is, uh, you know, most people go south, but there's also plenty of people that do it the other way and go oh, from, okay. north, from south to north. Okay. Is this an event that can happen anytime throughout the year? Or if you... Like if you just want to tour it, or does it have to happen when you guys went? You can tour, you can tour it anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, the race 
uh, starts in mid-June. I think it was the 12th this year, maybe. Um, but, but I think I'd say, you know, um, um, you know, it's probably more fun if you do it when there are more people sure, out there because yeah. that kind of adds to the experience. So you could do it any time of the year, Got it. snow permitting and, uh, you know, <laughs> thousand yeah. degree temperatures permitting. Got I, it. I would say after our trip, I wouldn't do it any other way than starting. We started a couple days before the official start. Uh-huh. And uh, it was so cool seeing the racers come through and then the riders and then the tours. And, yeah. you know, we we hooked up with people that, you know, we would ride with for a bit or end up camping with for a couple of days. Um, awesome. That was probably one of the benefits. Well, then let's get into the epic adventure that you guys both recently completed. And I'm calling it the Great Divide Mountain Bike Experience dash Montana, because that's what you guys did. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So first off, you know, you say we're calling it mountain bike route. So do you want to describe the terrain? I mean, I'm assuming it's pretty rough. Yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll take that one. We rode actually 10 days. Oh, okay. Um, we uh, rode 6, 000, or 632 miles, an average of 61 per day. And uh, we climbed 40,664 feet total, wow. uh, averaging 44,020 per day. Uh, or 7.7 miles going up. Uh, Montana had a lot of the, especially the first section, had a lot of areas where the uh, where the ups were um, eight or ten percent, maybe oh, averaging six percent. As we got to the south, it got a little bit easier. Um, well, one note: when you're talking that degree of climb, how are you still able to manage 60 miles a day? Well, you, you might walk some sections. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was all there. And, you know, like yeah. the last the last day had um, nearly 4,000 feet of climb, but it was over uh, 85 miles. And there sure. was really no place you had to. You just climbed. I, I, I would say the difference was the first part. We didn't see Canada. I don't know what that's like. Uh, um, and we don't know what it's like south of that. But um, And the races are going a lot farther than that. They're, you know, yeah. so... JP, JP Turvey did it in 15 days. So, you know, that's roughly 200, not quite, but 200 miles a day, right? Wow, so, that's um, mind You know, the guys that are racing are going a lot faster, right? And, and so, probably not sleeping. I think I saw Jay average yeah. two to four hours a night of sleeping. <laughs> I don't even know how much. you can function with that. Yeah, his actual official time was 14 days, 19 hours, and 24 minutes, so just under 20 under 15 days to go from the border of canada all the way to the yeah. border of mexico actually this year it started in roosville and went 200 or 2477 miles to antelope wells new mexico Jeez. if you do the banff bc route according to wikipedia that's 3083 which is more than i thought it was um, wow that's that's so, aggressive anyway. <laughs> but but i'm you know not <clears throat> discounting what you guys did because you're talking how much total elevation did you mention that uh, you guys did 40,000 a little over 40,000 40, that's that's a lot of that's feet one and a half <laughs> Everest I, I mean I'm no I'm no mathlete but that's uh-huh. that's some major elevation and we should probably mention that you are self-contained right. so you have your food with you I'm, I'm sure that there are places that you stopped and we'll probably get into that but you had um I'm guessing you didn't have 10 outfits for each day. <laughs> Actually, I know better because I saw your outfit or your, I saw your photograph, so uh-huh. I know. Um, but do you want to give us some highlights of the event itself, the ride, how much you enjoyed it, if you still like each other, all that good stuff? <laughs> well, I can, I can start with that. One thing I'd, I'd mention is, you know, the logistics of, of getting to and from the ride are pretty tricky oh, you know, yeah. when you start thinking about it. And so... What we did uh, was uh, took Todd's truck to uh, the Yellowstone Airport and rented a car, drove up to the Glacier Airport, you know, and, and then uh, drove back to the truck. And so, uh, you know, just getting to the beginning and the start of sure. what you might want to do is something you have to spend quite a bit of time thinking about in order because yeah. there you, you could leave out some important parts and then, uh, you know, have kind of a, yeah. a tricky adventure there. Yeah. Our, our grand plan was to start in Roosevelt with the, with the ride. And then it turned out that there was almost no way for us to get to Roosevelt <laughs> without spending eight hundred dollars on U-Haul trucks. So, well, and the renting a um, car is pretty yeah. a genius move. I don't uh, know if everybody would was, think to do that. That was Rob's move, uh, renting the car, and then we uh, he said, "Well, let's leave the car in long-term parking in West Yellowstone." And it turned out to be free. 
Yep. Oh, and nice. we talked to the guy that was the Avis guy and asked him if the parking lot was safe. And he said he personally looked over it and he would <laughs> ensure that we were fine. And so awesome. It was quite a trip that way. Awesome. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'd say just overall, you know, this is the kind of thing that, you know, as a bike rider, maybe, you know, dabbling in bike camping and that kind of thing that, you know, you can't, everybody kind of has on their, their uh, bucket list. You know, hey, I'm going to do that someday. But I, I think, you know, the majority of people, uh, never do it, right? Because right. it's just tricky and it's hard to find that much time and that sort of thing. And so, that, you know, j just doing, uh, you know, even just doing Montana was, uh, you know, just terrific. You know, it was a chance to kind of, um, uh, you know, know that you can do it, know that you can right. uh, be out in the woods for a while, uh, you know, and still survive, not get eaten by a bear, not starve to death, <laughs> right. all those kind of things. Right. And still have a lot of fun and get a great, a great workout out of it. And I think like Todd mentioned before, you know, I think the, you know, the riding is one thing, but, uh, you know, because you're on a route where there are other people and other, you know, uh, residents that kind of expect you, you know, that just really adds to the experience. It's not a rag bride kind of thing, sure. you know, but it's also there, you know, people all along the route where their, their summers are all about, you know, uh, meeting and taking care of all these riders that come through and, and, um, and then as you know just like in any sort of long event you kind of naturally sort out to a certain pace and so you start seeing the same people every day oh, sure, and getting yeah. to know them and where they're from and how they're doing and so that was really you know one of the coolest part you know the the scenery is obviously spectacular like all day long mm -hmm. every day right in montana uh but uh you know the just kind of meeting the people along the way and the meeting the people in the ride were was kind of the best part that was that was really 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 cool it was kind of crazy because there's like rob was saying you know there's a little town called evando and i swear that they are their whole summer income revolves around the riders coming through and yeah. they've, they've they've adopted what they do to kind of fit that and there was a place we stayed the next day after that called the llama ranch uh, a, a lady and and her partner um basically she owns it he's been with her for like five years they have like they had like three or four cabins that you could stay at for free oh wow. or you could camp for free and they had they had beer they had water they had sandwiches free, in the free. refrigerator and uh it was basically their your agreement is you had to pay it forward and you know mm. do something maybe not there or somewhere else just to but yeah they, it was incredible how many people this is their whole life supporting uh, the lady uh at the uh, at the angling shop or the fly shop mm -hmm. uh, you remember her name I right know. Um, basically sat out there and created all riders coming into Vondo had a camera up there for everybody yeah, it was that part was just amazing and you, you although we weren't officially registered for the race you have uh, you know these little um, you know spot trackers and so you know they can see you know who's going where and that sort oh, of sure. thing and uh, so that's kind of handy for those people and, and for us you know the the actual the first two and a half days there was no cell coverage mm. no food you know no water right we filtered our water and carried our food and and the only connection to the outside world was uh you know little messages on your little uh your you know, in -reach in -reach device. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's i you know i never really thought about it but it makes sense that since it's an established route um you said by adventure cycling right right so the fact that it already exists means these communities know that bikes are coming through mm -hmm. and they have made the effort to make it a bike friendly yeah, yep. it, it okay. was it's pretty phenomenal. So you know, it was kind of interesting too. And Rob, I'll pick up on something Rob said there. You know, the first three days were uh, there was nothing. It was basically you were in the woods and we camped in the woods. And the end of the halfway through the third day, I guess we got a chance to get to mm -hmm. Sealy Lake and mm -hmm. had barbecue and a milkshake and resupplied. <laughs> and my Solid God, food. It, was, yeah. it was the best thing in the whole world. But ironically, I went through and looked, and five of the ten days we were on the trail, we had breakfast in a cafe. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, we weren't expecting that. Uh, in fact, I think that was one of the biggest things we learned. Uh, we started expecting to carry a lot of food. Mm -hmm. um, originally, we were going to cook. We decided not to cook. Then we decided maybe we'd just cook coffee. Um, by the time we got done on the trail, we'd sent the coffee maker uh, back on UPS. <laughs> uh, we'd only made coffee one day. Uh, we bought food along the way. We bought, uh, learned to buy sandwiches at places. So we, you know, the breakfast have them make an extra burrito for you oh, and wrap yeah, it up your bike and take it along for, uh -huh. and uh, we were uh, we sent home extra clothes they were asking about clothes i bought spare clothes to change into uh, by the end of the trip i had one set of clothes i wore during the day and one at night and then i washed the day ones and every night mm -hmm. and let them dry out uh, 
Yep. I think it was amazing to me how lightweight we could travel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we really, uh, uh, I think my bike when I got home had 46 and a half pounds, and I think I'd be 45 uh, based on what I would still take off of it. Uh, is that gear or bike and gear? That was bike and gear oh, wow. total without water and food. Wow. And um, we typically carried about three quarters of a gallon at most of water, maybe a little less than that as we were consuming it. So uh-huh. that's like eight, six pounds most. Wow. Uh, and food was probably a couple pounds that we had with us. So. Yeah. Well, and it's nice to know that you were able to stop here and there, right. you know, and get the, the cafe breakfast or bring the sandwich along. Yeah. But do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about your bikes? Because I know you guys have cool you know, bikes. It's kind of funny because <laughs> we had lots of debates about the differences in our bikes. And then I spent the last couple of days thinking about it as we talked about doing this. And I bet if yeah. we put our bikes side by side, you couldn't tell the difference other than his has got a gold color and mine really? is silver. Um, they're very, very similar. Uh, they're configured very similar. Uh, I have a Salsa Fargo. Um, I've got a suspension stem, which I got based on what he had bought. Uh, we have, I have 2.2 inch tires. Mm. Um, Again, very similar to what he's riding. Uh, I I looked it up on Salsa. They call it a bike packing bike. Nice, um, yeah. And um, yeah, so it's somewhat special purpose for this, but nearly identical configuration mm-hmm. what Rob had. So, anyway. Yeah, and I ran. A, I had a Salsa Storm Chaser, which is their um, kind of single speed uh, gravel bike, and um, it uh, worked out to be great. You know, one of the things. Um, that's tricky about even though Todd and I get along great you know we have different speeds for riding and that sort yeah. of thing and so you have to kind of figure out because it doesn't naturally sort out like just people you meet along the way if you're trying to stay together then you gotta uh, you know figure out how to make that happen so I rode a single speed and that just uh, you know gave me a really good workout while I you know like a single speeder has to you go hard up the hills yep. and then you wait and then and that sort of thing and so in the end, I got the great workout out of it, and uh, we still had a great time uh, riding together. Uh, and uh, the Salsa Storm Chaser um, was pretty much uh, stock, other than I had uh, instead of the 43 millimeter centimeter tires, the millimeter tires it comes with, I had um, 55s on there, which really you know made it more like a mountain bike and mm-hmm. made it you know a lot nicer on the gravel and that sort of thing. You know, you asked about the terrain, you know, and the and the roads. It was. It was mostly forest service roads, you okay. know, and so they'd be kind of gravel with the, you know, random holes and the rocks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, every so often. But then there were other sections where they were, you know, really rocky or even, um, you know, single track. Uh, there was one uh, place in particular, Fleecer Ridge, where it's like a, I don't know, 35% descent on this like crazy Holy loose moly. stuff. And you're just kind of like <clears throat> uh, sort of skiing down the hill with your uh, feet and brakes and everything you can, uh, you know, muster to keep from uh, sliding down yeah. the hill. <laughs> and I'm assuming you, you're you not set up fixie, you're set up as single speed, so you can yeah, right. uh, like course, coast yeah. and mm-hmm. use yeah. your brakes. By, by the way, at Felicia Ridge, nobody rides down there. I was going to say, <laughs> um, 35%? We, 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 when he's talking about sliding, we were walking our bikes down there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. somebody told us maybe two people have successfully ridden the thing that they know of in the whole history of the ride. And it's Yikes. not just 35% for like 100 feet, it's like... I don't know. It seemed like a mile. It probably wasn't that yeah. long. Oh but, my gosh! But a long, <laughs> <descent>. a long <laughs> yeah. Anything either of you would change about your bike setup if you did it again, or when you do it again? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think I'll change anything other than my sleeping bag and my oh. bike setup. And I didn't have aero bars. Rob did. I will probably put aero bars on. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But I, I was really happy with where I was. Uh, anyway. I, yeah, the, the uh, I, I think if I were going to more aggressively go after it, I'd run it with a gear bike, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just easier to go faster overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think now that Todd and I did it together, you know, the next time we might start and end together, but maybe, you know, split up during the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, who, who knows if uh, we'll do it again. We haven't really talked about it. The, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, from a gear perspective, you know, the I was really happy with the gear. You know, the the you know, there's so many books and YouTube videos and you know, people you know, people that talk about it on you know, video or podcasts yeah, or that sort yeah. of thing that you, know, you can learn a lot. And I think we went into it uh, having you know, really studied it, and you know, we were like 95% of you know what uh, what I would have said was kind of ideal, right? Yeah. And yeah. then that's was pr- pretty pretty great. You know, I. I I, the one thing I kind of tried to focus on was not so much weight, but reducing the volume of things so mm-hmm. I could cut back on bags and that sort of thing. And then the other nice thing that I noticed from like just, 
you know, the date one night backpacking things where you don't really care. The mo next morning you just ram all the stuff together and, you know, sort it out <laughs> in your basement, right? <laughs> Whereas, um, uh, you know, when you're out there for multiple days, you kind of have to get yourself organized. Oh, and yeah. I think we both kind of changed, you know, and, and I like having, you know, more smaller bags to kind of like, okay, all my clothes go in this bag, all my... Right you know, uh, gear goes in this one, my sleeping system goes here, right? So there's some sort of logical thing. So when you pack and unpack or decide you need something, you have a shot at finding it in, you know, less than 20 minutes, kind of right. empty everything out right. onto the ground. I would say that was really important because we both did it. And, you know, I think within a couple of days, I think we were both had it kind of really sorted out. But, you mm -hmm. know, I, we, we stayed in a community hall in, in Basin, Montana, and we walked in there, we'd been in the bar till, you know, pretty late, and uh, it was kind of one of the few places we had a bar at the end of the day. Anyway, uh, but it's pitch black in there, and you know, I knew with a bunch of other people sleeping that yeah, appreciate. Yeah, I, oh, sure. I knew how yeah. to find everything I needed to yeah. in my on my bike because I knew this was in that pocket, that was in that pocket, and uh, we kind of had that intimate connection with the bicycle. Sure. Uh, and I think kind of learned to move stuff around. I kind of realized uh, that. Uh, certain stuff had to go in an easy access bag mm -hmm. versus the stuff that I wouldn't need until the campsite went in the bag on the seat because mm -hmm. it was hard to get into. The other thing I'd say is I probably have, unfortunately, three or four of just about everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you, if you've done different things. Sure. And, and, you know, right before Todd and I were heading out, we saw the forecast and it was going to be below freezing the first day or two. And so all of a sudden we're scrambling to find a ultralight, you know, sleeping bag or whatever, or I was, you know, mm -hmm. that was... Um, you know, gonna handle that kind of temperature because I had something for way colder and, and yeah. warmer, and, and so yeah. Uh, Which is yeah, funny. You got to kind of flex with what the weather turns yeah. out to be, right? Yeah. And what's funny about no, I know you two personally that you probably have spreadsheets at home with all of your gear on it. Well, and it's mind-blowing <laughs> it's mind-blowing that you didn't have something like that you, you wouldn't be well, like spreadsheet and go like i have 17 sleeping bags and we, sleeping bag number four uh, I, I would say this you know we looked up um, we looked historical weather trends um a year ago almost uh, for the area and so we kind of knew what to expect yeah. but then they got much colder uh, spring than we expected mm -hmm. uh, Whereas the folks coming up from the south were, it was like, you know, a boiling hot, right? So yeah. those guys were going the other direction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, actually, I'd, I'd like to go back to the bikes a little bit. Um, yeah. Because uh, one of the things that was interesting is we saw everybody on a different style bike for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of bike packing specific bikes and gravel bikes that were modified for bike packing, which isn't really much. I, I don't know what the difference between the two really is, mm -hmm. other than the tire size, which Rob changed. Uh, but then we saw a lady that was riding from the south on a full suspension mountain bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Trek uh, Pro Caliber. Yeah, and yeah, the, somewhat similar to what he races. Um, and, uh, you know, I, other people with front forks uh, mm -hmm. just to get some suspension. It was, a, it was a mixed bag and it was really interesting. We but, also saw people with a crazy amount of gear, you know, coming yeah. out of Lima. There were two guys, they had like you know, panniers, every place you could stick a bag on, on the bike, they had a bag. And then they had a giant, both had like these giant duffel bags. I couldn't ima even imagine oh, like on how their much, back? Yeah, on their oh, backs. Man. I couldn't imagine how much, you know, it's like they must have just brought everything, you know, wow. yeah. everything I, they had. It'd be interesting <laughs> if you could see them like a week later and they've shipped half of that stuff home, you know, like. Yeah, well, at, at Lima, they were fairly far in, and they'd been. They'd oh, been they were still. Going yeah. I think that. they were prepared to do what they were doing, which was was really super touring, and we saw that too. You know, at, at the stop before Lima, there were folks out there cooking food and stuff on the porch that mm -hmm. night, and well, we didn't do any of that. We, mm -hmm. we basically yeah had wraps with peanut butter or sausage and cheese. And, right. Mm -hmm. uh, it was all real simple for us. Right, right which now. is smart. I mean, you don't need to cook yeah. up some lasagna in your cook yeah, pot right, if you yeah. don't need to but yeah. anything beat you up as far as weather terrain mechanical errors or mechanical <laughs> issues well let's see we had uh, replaced one set of brake pads brake pads we've replaced two chains uh, we replaced the spoke on my bike oh. um, we did have uh, it was kind of interesting because uh, I went in with a relatively new chain I think Rob did but uh, it was amazing how hard that place was on our chains I thought um, and my bike only had a couple hundred miles on it on the brake pads uh, before we went there and it, it 
basically 300 miles in, they were ready to be. It was replaced. raining the first the first day we went out, so there was quite a slurry, you know, mm -hmm. which can take down brake pads yeah. pretty quick. Mm -hmm. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. And how about your chain, Rob, on your single speed? Uh, it was fine, but uh, when while we were in there, I just had them look at mine. They said it's half-worn, so we just replaced just it. Replaced just it not, anyway. just no, they, were both, they were both half-worn, so yeah. it was... Yeah, it was good timing. We were there. Yeah, we would have been fine it. without it, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, as long as you have the opportunity. The, the spoke brought us there, and that was on my bike. <laughs> so, and I, it was kind of funny because, uh, you know, maybe a shout out to Goldfish. They built my bike as a custom bike, mm -hmm. and uh, I broke that spoke 120 miles before I was able to get to a bike shop to get it fixed. Oh wow! And I rode it and did not break any other spokes. Uh, I took it easy, but easy is relative term because it's still pretty stressful on those roads sure. we were on. Sure. Uh, I went down Fleecer Hill with uh, with a broken spoke on that rim and didn't bust anything more up. So <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, shout out to Goldfinch Cyclery yeah. here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Great bike shop. So I think also the you know the if you looked at uh, you know we're big on statistics and so you know training peaks and Garmin's and you know that kind of stuff and so we watched our body battery. Uh, you know, on the garment, uh, you know, watch the fitness and fatigue, you know, go to kind of insane levels mm -hmm. on uh, training peaks, you know, and so uh, you're, you know, that it's it's a certainly a tougher ride than Ragbri. Ragbri is probably more a that's more of a recreational tougher social. on your digestive system, maybe, and <laughs> <In> your liver, and <laughs> your liver, yeah. <laughs> um, but but you know, it it, it it is a tough ride, and uh, you know the uh, and so you got to kind of listen to your body. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah. both over the course of time, watch what it's doing, and then uh, but you know as as things went along, you know, I think our uh, you know both our bodies got you know really used to the mm -hmm. the effort, and so you kind of come back around. And, yeah, we averaged maybe the first three day, three days, maybe 45 miles a day, and then the last three, he rode a little further um, for a couple of reasons uh, on the last three days. But I think I averaged 90 miles a day the last three days. Oh so my gosh! It was it got phenomenally better as you went along. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess I would back off because I don't want to scare people. Um, because I put together an original plan, which I, I think I even shared with you, Kathy, earlier, that would basically ride 38 miles a day. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty, I, th I think it's doable for people in a reasonable shape in mm -hmm. an auto bike pack. Uh, they just can't go as far. Right, you know? right. And, uh, and if you have the map set before you, and as long as you're flexible, it doesn't matter if yeah, you do 10 exactly. miles or 110. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'd say that's about, you know, out of all the books and videos you watch, you know, if you could want to summarize it in one, one thing it's like you know okay you you, you come in prepared uh, but then you ride and then as the day goes on you thought you were stopping in one place and you're either feeling better or worse mm -hmm. or the weather or this that mm -hmm. or you know and and you, you and you adjust right and so the it's all about kind of reading you know how it's going and yeah and, how you feel you know, flexing and, to right. okay you know like when we were coming into helena we went farther than we planned because we wanted to make sure we made it to the bike shop before they closed oh, the day sure. before right yeah. so yeah kind of well thing. and that was my next question is how important is navigation and what was your method because you know we all know if you're at home you can get on the computer at adventure cycling and buy the map and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff but were you using gps or paper maps or completely winging it <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> same thing. It, was, it was all of the above. We we had four different ways really, uh, and we we coordinated in advance. I got the I got the map from Adventure Cyclist that you put on your Garmin. Uh, Rob did uh, ride with GPS, so we both had our own thing. And then there was an app that Adventure Cycling gave uh, that gave you. Uh, waypoints and it didn't you could use it when you didn't have connection oh when you didn't have service yeah. okay. and then we both had paper copies of the map mm -hmm. so and that didn't provide it prevent us from getting lost a couple of times we, we, we did make a couple <laughs> wrong turns uh, it's not like a race where it's marked right and, and yeah. maybe like you yeah. know uh, daydreaming going down a hill and miss the turn or up right. a hill or whatever right so it's yeah. easy enough to get off track right and you're most likely in rural areas so it may not look any different. I think rural really doesn't, you know, is <laughs> yeah. a strong enough word. <laughs> so, so the first the first turn we did wrong was on the first day. Uh oh. And uh, I got to the corner and I'd looked down at my GPS and it 
I can't remember, I couldn't remember to this day which way it told us to turn. Um, and then Rob came up behind me and he says, uh, we're taking a right here. And I thought about it and I said, yeah, I think that's right. And then we took a right and then we were off the trail. Oh no. And we got to the end of the road as we were getting to the mountaintop and realized we were probably in the wrong spot. So after a long ride up a hill. <laughs> it was, it was uh, you know. You kind of have to, you know, the you kind of have to listen to those little voices in your head where you're like, huh, it doesn't seem like this is exactly like what yeah. it said on the map or huh, yeah. this seems yeah. like a little whatever. And then, and then uh, you know, maybe listen to those a little sooner than we did you know, <laughs> a few times. Yeah, it was because it was, it was getting colder and it was getting darker yeah. and we were getting hot. And you know, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> the bonus so, miles that maybe you yeah. didn't need and, that and, day. You know, and then we were, the, the, you know, what finally clued us in was the road ended, and so that we thought maybe that was the place that we'd gone too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Up but at the top of the mountain. If it hadn't ended, we'd have been who knows where. <laughs> and then you there was been... one time, uh, uh, I don't know, probably halfway through where uh so the, the other trick related to navigation was i was always in front of todd and then we would you know, i would wait and then navigate we'd talk about you know the next turn or whatever and, and i wasn't really navigating with ride with gps i just had it and it was supposed to complain when i went off course sure. but it would just hang every five minutes and so the lack of a complaint didn't necessarily mean i you know yeah. was on course and so this one day uh i was chasing some guys that had left you know from our group earlier in the morning and was starting to see him and I swore I saw him, you know, keep going up the road. And so I climbed this big mountain pass and I thought it was weird. I never saw the th thing Todd talked about, but I just kind of kept going. And then I came down the other side and it was kind of, it was all just kind of weird. And I ended up going, <clears throat> I don't know, like a couple extra thousand to cl uh, climb and like 15 extra miles uh, before I, cause I had to climb my way back up we had the, to go the big downhill then, right? and then down the thing and then, and then get to the turn. Uh, but I think everybody gets a little, uh, a little lost. Even the leader, uh, you know, there was a spot where Todd and I uh, know exactly where it was. We, we sat there and I thought, I was thinking, well, the road probably up ahead. And, and turns out it was this little gravel road to the side, right? And, oh, and sure, so yeah. <clears throat> even the leader, you know, who's done it, you know, I don't know, a dozen times or something, yeah. you know, wandered off a there, little bit. There were some pretty crazy things. If you didn't have the GPS, you might not know. I On the very last section, so when we on the last day, he went and got the truck, so he got off the course a little earlier than I did, and I finished the course uh, in, uh, in, in Idaho. And so I rode some miles that he didn't, but I was... I was riding with a GPS telling me where to go, mm -hmm. and I, I follow this trail, and it's dead ends. And I'm sitting there looking at it, I'm looking what at the it. Heck? Well, you know what you're supposed to do? There's this place that was closed, there's just a little single track there. You're supposed to get on that single oh, track no. and ride up in there. So if you're yeah. going along and that road didn't dead end, you might keep going. Now, if so. you get out the maps, the maps have a ton of detail, and you go, you know, well, I'm at letter J, yeah. right, on map yeah. B on this side yeah. of this, whatever, and you go read it, says, and then it'll say, you know, turn at the thing that you can't see and that doesn't have a label but don't go to here and you know so uh, you know eventually you can figure it out yeah but, but you know if you're just wandering along daydreaming you might uh, you know wander off yeah. a little bit but in the end you know it was all part of the adventure and you just kind of kind of it was you sure know, i got a little better workout that day and yeah. that's just the way it is well and know. to know you weren't <laughs> racing like you weren't trying to get on right, some podium you were literally there to enjoy yourself mm -hmm. And I, to not end up in Canada. I guess I would say, just to anybody that's listening, though, get the paper maps for sure. Yeah. Um, and but also uh, get the downloaded map for your Garmin or what's what's the other brand? Wahoo. Wahoo. Wahoo, Wahoo. Yeah. Wahoo sounds like it was a little bit easier to use, uh -huh. and a lot of people were doing that. Um, I would recommend getting a Wahoo if you don't have anything already. Uh -huh. If you've got a Garmin, I wouldn't do it again without that map on the Garmin because uh -huh. that was what always kind of we would always both look at that and say, okay, this must be the way to go. Uh -huh. um, and uh, and also it was pretty good at telling us we got off the wrong way after after what? I figured out how to use it the first day. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. And I think now is a good time to, you know, give a shout out to Adventure Cycling because they do... Um, it's not very much money to become a member. Right. And the volume of maps that they have throughout the entire United States is amazing. And like you just mentioned, the paper maps give you a little bit more than just a line to follow. Like they'll right. give you 
places to stop, places to eat. The phone uh, number, they're only open till 8, kind yeah, of thing. You know, hey, like, there's food here and you're all excited, except it's an hour past the, when they close kind of thing. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, what's the key, in your opinions, to tackling each day when you're doing a long-distance ride? So, you know, maybe the last three days you've done 60-plus miles, you've got a marginal night of sleep, you haven't eaten, you get up in the morning, how do you tackle the day? I don't know, we probably have opposite philosophies on that, but the, the um, uh, my, you know, my perspective is, you know, you just kind of live in the moment uh-huh. and not worry about, you know, you, you're, you're fit, you're prepared, you got, you know, all the, th- all the things you need, you know how to filter water, you got food for a day and a half yeah. or whatever it is. And and you just and you just pedal and just kind of you know uh, we knew we were going to our our truck in Yellowstone so mm-hmm. you know there there was no question that everything between here and there we were going to climb it or go right. down it or around right. it or climb through it or whatever else and so you know you're going uh, that route right and so mm-hmm. then all that's left is just you just ride that day and see how it goes you know stay in the moment. How about you, Todd? I, I would agree with Rob there. I, I think. One of the differences, uh, though, is I'm I'm just not as in as good a shape as he was. Mm-hmm. So you know, there was no way I could make the days that he was wanting to do uh, or could. Uh, the other thing is uh, I'm a little more conservative when it comes to you know um, time to get a camp set up and set up for the night. I I, I would have taken. Well, I mean, we did. We like the third night in, second night in, second night in. We we stopped short of a path and had a lot of snow on. Um, I, I think Rob might have just kept riding and, and finished in the entire town in the next town, but you know there was there was no way with three hours of daylight left that I was going to go try and do that based on the pictures I saw. So yeah. I'm just more conservative that way. I don't think, uh, uh, but within my abilities, I'm I'm pretty confident too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's just different abilities to a lot extent. And, and it is a totally different experience when you know there's an endpoint waiting for you whether yeah. it's days away months away or hours away right. that you know that's your only that's your exit I, I think the other caveat to that is uh, the first three days and, and that then that, that day was one of those first three days we were actually in an area that was grizzly bear habitat and oh. not just black bear habitat um, so it was important that you got your food a long ways away from your campsite and yeah. stored properly and and we got there where we camped. It took us an hour to find a tree that we could actually get a rope over to do. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, I think the leaders like Jay would just ride and probably till he got to a good safe place to camp and mm-hmm. right. he would have set up there for two hours and, yeah. you know, we just didn't have that luxury. But, you know, at the end of the, when we got to the south end, uh, again, there weren't, there were different constraints and, you know, there wasn't really any place that was, uh, dangerous in that sense, mm-hmm. and we, you know, you could push it pretty comfortably um, mm-hmm. and set a little more lofty goal. The 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 one night we had the lodge reserved uh, was the third third from the last day, and Rob booked a place uh, online, so we knew we were there. We knew we had a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, second to last day, which was the last day we camped, uh, Rob went ahead and got a place for us to stay. So I showed up at like ten at night. Oh, nice! Uh, I wouldn't yeah. have shown. I wouldn't have planned to camp at right. 10 at night up earlier in the road. Right, so right, right. I think uh, I think just realistic with the conditions and understanding what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you had a place to, you know, you know, it's like okay, well, I can push quite a bit farther if I have a place I can stay right. versus having to take that time to set up camp and that sort of thing, and right. knowing you're going to have a solid meal and a place to go to the bathroom and all those kind of things. Right. Yeah, it's a whole different experience. <laughs> when you know you're in the wilderness 24 hours a day versus at least having a structure around you, maybe a bed, maybe electricity, maybe water. Yeah, I definitely know that. You know, electricity is a good, you know, the, the is a good good point. You know, I think we all fussed a lot about because we have all these electronic gadgets and that sort of thing. And, you know, uh, I ran uh, batteries and, and Todd has a generator on his, on his wheel. And, and uh, in the end, I think that all worked out mm-hmm. easily. You know, I think I, we, I, I, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, it, it was never a concern, right? Yeah. I, mean, I probably had it over uh, figured out, right, and, and could have just brought less because everything just kind of kept going. And, yeah. Well, and I followed you throughout the week, and uh-huh. I don't know if you were posting daily, but you definitely posted a lot of great photographs while you're on the event. So mm-hmm. you had yeah. electricity at we, some we point. We had cell coverage, and we never lacked for anything. I, I would say though, you know, we did some pre-rides, uh, which you did one of them with us. But the very first one, I, 
um, I lost my phone because uh, the battery pack I had um, and the cable weren't working right. And, uh, uh. So I think our pre-rides kind of got us ready for it. Mm -hmm. In the end, I think we both had ways. I, I carried a battery pack and had the gen generator, but I looked at the generators. That was the bare. That would keep my Garmin going and my tracker mm -hmm. going in an emergency. Uh, but uh, you know, we we were probably both living off of uh, battery packs pretty well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, what trips do you have in your future? I know you probably have dozens, but. Um, well, I've always got races, right? And yeah. actually, the first podcast I did with you, I'm still doing the races I talked about in that because yeah, you know, last year yeah. didn't happen, right? And yeah. so uh, we just did, uh, I did Lutzen uh, 99er this weekend, and then uh, in two weeks I'm going to go race uh, Lake Tahoe, mm. uh, 100-kilometer race, and then... Um, and then, you know, the, I'm going to go out in Leadville and do, uh, Todd and I are going to do, along with a couple other friends, the, the Leadville stage race mm -hmm. at the end of July, beginning of August, and then um, and then August, uh, mid-August is uh, Leadville, which is the A race that I train for every year. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and then that'll be kind of the end of my season until we, you know, start training for the big winter rides. So I recently did a bike ride from Brainerd to Bemidji, and I thought of you two because you spend a lot of time in Cuyuna. Right. And I didn't know how close I was. I looked on a map, yeah, not close enough to actually, you know, do Bra it. Brainerd was only 15 miles from Cuyuna. Yeah, Cuyuna. yeah. Um, and Bemidji is actually where I lived most of my life. And went to college. Oh, really? So, um, you hit one of my uh, very near and dear uh, uh, it was beautiful. features there with the, with the pictures of the statue. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. So, but as far I, as bike backing, you know, uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, we were tired, and you still have no time. And like, even <laughs> try to say, well, I'll just do it midweek because we're yeah. retired. Uh, that still hasn't really happened much so far with our big group of friends who likes to go bikepacking. So maybe in the fall, yeah. we'll jam some more in and uh, yeah. have some fun doing that. As far as like, uh, you know, future plans related to the the Great Divide mountain bike race, I think from my, from my perspective, uh, in you know the 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 you know the time I have in my life and you know a portion of something like this the <clears throat> I think doing it state by state is a just a really terrific way to do mm -hmm. it you know I could see either you know go back and and knock off uh, you know so assuming you know Canada is open go do the Banff to Glacier next year mm -hmm. or the you know Yellowstone to Colorado and then go hit Colorado you know I could see um, you know spending the next five years or whatever just kind of knocking off the different states mm -hmm. and that sort of thing or uh, for me that would be a nice bite-sized way to go see oh, you know yeah. see the ride oh yeah how about you Todd well I'm I'm doing a Leadville stage race with Rob mm -hmm. he, he convinced me to do that I'm still not sure how <laughs> or why and I'm Wait, are you that, doing that on your single speed your fat no, bike no, no, or no, your no, racing no. bike <laughs> racing bike okay okay <laughs> anyway uh, so my grand plan for this year Actually, my hope was last year to do this Great Divide thing. It just never happened. Sure. Uh, but my my plan was to do the Great Divide and use that to get into shape for the stage race and use that to get into shape for Ironman Wisconsin mm -hmm. in uh, September mm -hmm. and Ironman uh, uh, California, I think it's October. So, I'm, And I'm trying to get, that'll be number 11 and number 12, which would get me uh, into the queue to go to Kona. Wow. And so my plan's kind of complicated because I think that's a two-year queue, which would mean I could do something next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm still, you know, they tell you to wait a month after a marathon before you decide what you're going to do. I think I'm still trying to decide that I might try and talk Rob into riding from Banff. I looked at that. That's about 500 miles, 600 miles that we hadn't seen yet. Um, but I, I could easily, if next year be, becomes an off year because I'm waiting for a while, I could easily just keep going and, and ride mm -hmm. further mm -hmm. uh, and be happy doing it. But I don't know. I'd, I would also say that the last day I was getting lonely mm. out there. It was kind of weird. Mm -hmm. um, we were in a high desert. Uh, the last two days were high desert. They were pretty dry. We could find water, but pretty dry. Um, a whole lot of nothing. In, yeah. In, you know, mm -hmm. we got each, the towns are like 100 miles apart. Yeah. You know, towns probably have to lose the air quotes, yeah. but yeah. Uh, 100 miles apart. So there's yeah. just kind of nothing in between. You know, maybe yeah. talk to a cow or two during the day, but that's about it. So, <laughs> and that, that, was, that really was a good way of trying it. And so. by the last day, the cow started talking back, so yeah, then you exactly. knew. Yeah. You knew. So, <laughs> now, now the, the upside is once you got to that, got through that, maybe 100, it was probably, we did 110 the one day we did. Um, 
70 the day before, 85, 85. So that was like 200 miles. Once you got to that, you got to, uh, in Idaho, you got into Wyoming, and then you went past the Tetons if we'd have kept going, oh. which, you know, I think I could have handled that. Um, but once you get past northern Wyoming, you get to southern Wyoming, and it's even worse. It's a longer high desert mm -hmm. uh, where they recommend tours carry, like, several gallons of water. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. 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 So, but then once you get there, then you're in Colorado, and that would be interesting. So, yeah, I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of too soon to say. But. Yeah. Well, and for you to say that you need to work on your fitness level is something that has to come from within you because the fact that you guys did this event, The Great Divide, says a lot about your fitness level right now and the fact that you've done how many? 11 Ironmans? And yeah, technically 10 plus one that wasn't sanctioned, so yeah. That's just mind-blowing to me, yeah. so congratulations on all of that, yeah. I think we're both always working on our fitness level. Yeah. He's just better at it than I am. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, before we sign off, um, I know that you guys are part of some local organizations, but is there anything you want to plug? You know, whether it be, I guess we plugged Adventure Cycling, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, um, you know, uh, biking has been a big part of my life, mm -hmm. you know, and I've done a lot of sports. So I was always a runner in my 20s and 30s. And, and uh, you know, unlike Todd, I've, I've just focused on the things that I'm really good at. So that's why I got out of <laughs> Ironman and triathlons because I, I, you know, as I get older, I wasn't as good a runner as I used to be. And yeah. I was always a horrible swimmer. So, uh, uh, but so biking is a big part of it. And, and you know, when I was working, uh, you know, I, I, all I could do is donate cash because I didn't have any time. Mm -hmm. And then now, uh, that I'm retired, you know, then uh, I'm in the, uh, on the Lamba, Lanary Mountain Bike Association uh, board. But, you know, I just encourage everybody to kind of support whatever organizations in their local community. If you're at a place in your life where you can go out and, you know, work on the trails a little bit mm -hmm. or donate a little money or donate time, you know, I mean, just think about, you know, um, uh, paying it back, right? I mean, mm -hmm. other people... You know, I've done things, uh, you know, that enable you to have fun, right? Mm -hmm. You may not know them or organization, but, you know, they enable you to have the fun that you want to have, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, when you have a chance, you know, whether it's donating money or time, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'd follow on Rob with that. Rob really kind of introduced me to Lambda last year after the... Uh, Lamba after the uh, derecho, mm -hmm. and, you know, and we worked a lot clearing trees, and I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed meeting the folks that are volunteering there. I didn't know most of them, and now I do. I got a whole bunch of new friends, mm -hmm. um, and it felt good doing it. Uh, I, I'll go back and plug Goldfinch again because they really did an awesome job for my bike. Yeah. And uh, when before we left, Rob needed something fixed on his bike, and. Yep. Uh, you know, he couldn't be there to pick it up, and, and those guys worked it in their schedule, and then I went down and picked it up from them, and uh, they, they, they really were instrumental in helping us be successful on this, for sure. Yep. So. Awesome. Definitely. Those and guys I, are great. Yeah, I give a thumbs up to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I am proud to be a member of Lamba, and I'm so proud to know you guys because of the volume of work you did to go from, you know, I don't know if, if listeners don't know what a derecho is, it's basically an inland hurricane, and it knocked out all of the mountain biking trails in the Cedar Rapids area. And these two guys, you know, you went to chainsaw school kind of, didn't you, Rob? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you guys were out almost daily with chains on your vehicles and chainsaws and pretty much anything it took to go from a mess of trees to back to riding. Yeah, there were, uh, we were just two of a lot of the people that were, yeah. you know, the you know that uh, did a ton of work, whether it was you know with a chainsaw or pulling logs or pulling things. You know, yeah. everybody, uh, you know, there's, I guess I didn't tally it up, but probably 20, 25 miles of trails that we cleared. Wow. Uh, you know, with just a ton of trees and mm -hmm. uh, and you know if you're you know obviously last year we had the, not only the derecho here in Cedar Rapids, but you know the, had the global pandemic, and so people wanted right. to exercise outside, right. and so. You know, we were our our club was really focused on getting those trails back open so that people have a way to, you know, safely stay healthy, right? And yeah. so, uh, and so that was a big success. Rob should disclose uh, his relationship with Lamba. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, it was one of those, uh, you know, uh, everybody took one step back and I became president of Lambo. So <laughs> That's uh, uh, but, the, the joys of retirement. Right. I mean, it, it, and, uh, you know, I'm happy to do it because, you know, like I said, I'm retired. And so, you know, I have some more time, you know, to run things around at odd hours that maybe somebody with a regular nine to five job yeah. wouldn't be able to do. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a, uh, a great experience, uh, you know, seeing how hard everybody works to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, make things fun. Not not only the trails, but then also, you know, getting new riders involved. Uh, yeah. You know, you're certainly out on the trail a lot more, Kathy, yeah, than you were sure. maybe yeah. a year or two ago. Oh, and yeah. and, uh, and so it's great seeing, uh, you know, a lot of new people, women, kids and everything, uh, you know, really get involved in, uh, in mountain biking. Well, and it just gives a whole new perspective. Um, you know, following you guys on social media and you post things, you know, when you're cutting down trees or attaching it to your Jeep, you know, to try and haul <laughs> a log out, that when you're on trails, regardless of where, you know that somebody had to get in there with their, you know, blood, sweat and tears to make that trail possible. So right. shout out to everybody who's out there doing those things. Yeah, the, so. and uh, I guess the, you know, Lamba's in the process of building, you know, another trail that, a mountain bike trail that extends the the section that we have along the Cedar River here oh, nice. on the Sac and Fox, and so we've already built uh, a section between uh, Indian Creek Nature Center up to Mount Vernon Road, mm -hmm. and we've got another four or five uh, miles planned to go all the way around the East Post, and so it's just another great place for people to enjoy, you know, the woods in a way that's more intimate than uh, you know walking on a, a 20 foot wide trail and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So so we're still. Uh, uh, raising money and uh, you know working to get that done here over the next uh, two and a half years. Great, I'm excited to have a few more miles to uh, check out. So, well, Rob and Todd, thank you for sharing your great divide adventure and more, and hopefully, uh, maybe you've inspired a person or two to want to go do it as well. Our pleasure. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Thanks, Todd and Rob, for sharing your Great Divide mountain bike adventure with us. You can head over to Adventure Cycling website for more information about the route. And I also found a great website about the race called tourdivide.org. I want to wish both Rob and Todd good luck on their upcoming races. And hopefully this fall I can join them on a recreational bikepacking tour. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Please visit my Instagram page for daily entertainment and check out my website for all kinds of bike-related stuff. I'll leave you with this quote from the Unwritten Book of Morphology. This quote comes from Tom Koenig. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, quite so worthwhile as simply messing around on bicycles. Think about it. Think about it.